going to be another hot Saturday here in CCU land. Time once again for another wine chat with our friend from Haskell's, Jack Farrell. Good morning, Jack. Hope you're staying cool today. Oh, I plan on it, Denny. Uh, this is the last days of the state fair weather. It, it strikes me that it's always real hot when the state fair comes uh, or activates. Or, uh, yes. But I thought uh, we have to live with it in only a few days. It'll be kind of fun. Have a picnic, have a barbecue. And yeah. Speaking of barbecue, I got a call from somebody the other day. What's with this new wine, Malbec? Well, first and foremost, it's not new wine. The Malbec grape has been used in Europe, particularly France, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, there's an area in France called Cahors, and Malbec is the principal for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, there's an area in France called Cahors, and Malbec is the principal grape type there, and the wine is called the black wine of Cahors because it's such an intense, big wine. And Malbec was used in Bordeaux for blending, along with Cabernet and Merlot. Uh, Malbec is used with Cabernet Franc, etc. It's one of the seven varietals in Bordeaux that are permitted for blending. And then Malbec shows up in places like the Loire Valley as well. But what really happened with Malbec, is put it on the map really, was down in Argentina. Uh, Malbec was brought into Argentina in about the mid-1800s, certainly after our Civil War here. They had an agricultural minister in, in Argentina who was French, and he sent over for some cuttings. And the Malbec grape just flourished particularly in the Mendoza Valley. And uh, that Mendoza Valley is, is a geographic wonder. It actually is a desert. But because of the huge runoff of melting in the Andes and how they have been able to uh, use, utilize that water in the runoff uh, is incredible. They, they do it with canals. And they're little, well, not even a canal, they're sort of a trench. They're about the size of a pipe, except it's a ditch. And that's how they water the vineyards and all that. And it's a method that was handed down from the Incas to capitalize on that water flow from the melting snows up in the Andes. And, and as far as an area goes, it is absolutely gorgeous, that part of Argentina, Mendoza. It's the foothills of the Andes Mountains. So you look around you, you're surrounded by mountains. And yet the valley itself is flat as can be. And as I said, it, uh, if it wasn't for the cultivation uh, or the ability to utilize that what runoff water, it would be a desert. It gets less than nine inches of rainfall a year, which is about the same as the Gobi Desert in uh, Asia. But uh, because of that, of course, they never were affected by the uh, phylloxera, which was a root louse that decimated vineyards all over the world, but it didn't bother them at all in Argentina. However, the Argentine people made kind of a pleasant wine that they just kept for home consumption. And uh, in the 60s, uh, during, uh, after Perón and that, uh, jug wine sort of flourished. And it wasn't really until uh, the very late uh, 20th century uh, in the oh, late 1900s, the 80s maybe, uh, it, that Argentina really decided 
to, to try and make really good wine. And indeed, they did succeed. They found that the, the Malbec, which flourished in Argentina, as I said, is a grape that likes warmth and heat. And of course, it being a desert, they have plenty of warmth and heat. And then with good irrigation, it produces wonderful wines. And now they're discovering that some of these wines even do very well up in the foothills of the uh, Andes Mountains. And uh, at high elevations, they're cultivating grapes up to three and 4,000 feet uh, above sea level, which is just remarkable. But they're making wonderful wines, and of course the principal wine they make there is Malbec. Of all of Argentina, all the wines that are produced, and they make lots of different wines, Chardonnay, Cabernet, Merlot, a little Pinot Noir, etc. But uh, when we're talking about Malbec, we're talking about over half of the production of wine, both red and white in Argentina, is Malbec. So uh, the Argentine since the 1900s, late 1900s, have been going around the world promoting their wine. So it's not new, it's just becoming more well-known. And uh, indeed, if you don't know it, it might be a pleasant thing to stop and pull the cork on a bottle of Malbec. It's uh, intense wine, uh, and that's why Malbec was used for blending. It added intensity and depth to the wine. But by itself, it also can be very, very good, particularly uh, this wine that's made in Argentina. They discovered the way with all this DNA testing and everything they can do now that the Malbec is a special clone that was brought into Argentina, they, much by accident. They didn't understand any clones or anything else in the 1860s when they brought the grape types in. And so it... it is developed into just a marvelous red drinking wine. Of course, it's one of my favorite wines to have with barbecue because the Malbec itself, the wine, seems to go so well, very, very well with barbecue sauce. That sweet, hot red sauce and Malbec are just a marriage made in heaven. And as a varietal, as I said, Malbec is really on top of its game. And with that viticulture, uh, with irrigation in that, in uh, the Mendoza Valley, which is a big area, the Mendoza Valley is almost about the size of, uh, it isn't really a valley, it's just an area of Argentina, it's about the size of the state of Illinois. So we're talking about a, a big chunk of land here. And the fact that nowadays uh, they have over 75,000 acres of Malbec uh, vines are under cultivation uh, in Mendoza and throughout Argentina itself. And uh, as I said, Mendoza produces these wonderful wines. And to visit Mendoza is an interesting thing in itself. It's a pretty part of the world uh, with that backdrop of the Andes Mountains. Like any wine area, it has great food places to stop and eat and enjoy yourself. And one of the great fun things there is to go on a picnic, horseback riding on a picnic. And when you get there, they have the gauchos, that's the Argentine cowboys, have beef cooking on a, uh, over a fire hung by a chain. And they kind of baste it and touch it up and then slice it. And it's really uh, 
uh, Argentine barbecue. There's no other better description of it. And boy, I'll tell you, if you have a glass of Malbec in your hands and you're at an Argentine barbecue, you're living and living well. It really is a wonderful wine. And Argentina, as I said, has done a remarkable job of promoting it. And not just promoting it, but uh, developing time and effort and uh, putting new techniques. You know, it suffered, Argentina did, under till the mid-1900s. Uh, from uh, oppressive rule from the headquarters, etc., uh, limited on exports, imports, etc. So the wine business couldn't flourish very well. Then after that troubles were over in the late 1860s, early or 1960s, early 1970s, they began to invest into the winery business and began to produce wines that really are world-class wines. It's just remarkable that while Malbec production, for example, in France and everywhere else is declining, they can't plant enough grapes in Argentina to meet the demand because the uh, grape itself it lends itself so well to that area. It's a thick-skinned grape that ripens rather late, so it likes that long, hot, <laughs> pardon me, even dry a climate, it needs water, of course, and that's what we talked a minute ago about the irrigation, which was started by the Incas, uh, Indians, centuries ago, and it's still in use today. And it seems to work very well. It's fun to walk through those vineyards and watch them pick up a little dike, sort of, and the water will flow right down the line to water all, all those individual wines, uh, in, individual vines uh, in the vineyard. And Mendoza itself has beautiful trees, and they water them the same way. The trees are planted under the street, and there's a big opening around the tree uh, trunk with a grating on it, and then you can see them turning the water on to water the trees, and thus the area has no indication that you're in a desert because there's so much foliage around because of the irrigation system that they have and the fact that there's seemingly no shortage of water. But uh, the Malbec grape itself produces a wine that uh, is runs the gamut, you know, like and like anything. Uh, if you like Chardonnay and you've tried a lot of them, you'll see it's some that you like, some that you don't like. There is a variance. There's a real variance. The same thing is true with Malbec. There's a real variance in old world Malbec and in the Malbec you get in Argentina. And then when we get to the Argentina Malbec, there's even a greater variance depending on how the wines were tended to and uh, vinified by the owners of the property. And that's, like I said, where we benefit today. Malbec is a very, very affordable wine, and it is indeed a delicious wine. And like I've said for the last maybe five years, no matter how much your wine budget is, if you're serving barbecue, you, it's hard to go wrong with a good Malbec because it it just uh, it stands up to that barbecue sauce that can be so very, very difficult to pair wine with. And yet Malbec does it and does it in an almost seemingly effortless way. Uh, it really is remarkable what they've done in Argentina, and so what we see when we go to Argentina 
is the very, very latest in wine techniques. Uh, and the, that technique is producing wonderful wines, wines that they couldn't even dream of producing 40 years ago. They're producing now, as a matter of fact. So the wines are very, very well-priced, in my opinion. It's very hard. You can get an expensive Malbec, but an expensive Malbec would be 40 or $50 a bottle, not hundreds of dollars a bottle like rest of the wine-producing world. And they're discovering also now in that part of Argentina that they can uh, do Cabernet and Merlot very well as well. So and and Syrah seems to love the area. So there's more to be revealed as we wait and what's coming out of Argentina and Argentinian Malbec. Uh, you know, many other places in the world have produced Malbec. You can get a Malbec from South Africa. You can get Malbec from Uruguay, Paraguay. Uh, you, they grow some Malbec out in Washington, Oregon, and in California. Etc. But in my opinion, for the moment, the best of the Malbecs still come from Argentina. And while it's fun to see those Malbecs popping up in other wine-producing areas of the world, the Argentinian Malbec, for the moment, really has the edge on that. And speaking of Argentinian wines, on our uh, Saturday tastings at Haskell's, we're going to try uh, some wines all from the Diamandes, uh, vineyards in Argentina. So we'll be tasting today Argentinian Diomedes Cabernet, Malbec, even their Chardonnay and Rosé, and their Reserve Cabernet. It, it's the foothills of the Andes. It's an elegant, uh, a very well-balanced wines that you can taste in all of the Haskell stores on our Saturdays. They'll have the whole line of wines for you to taste and try. You will enjoy it very much. And speaking of that, also, Ted Farrell has his 6 for 60 Blue Ribbon, uh, Blue Ribbon State Fair Blue Ribbon. He's picked out six wines he's given Blue Ribbons to, six wines for 60 bucks, And they are our Pinot Grigio, which we get from, of all places, Sicily. It's absolutely delicious, a wonderful little white wine, great to sit and sip on the front porch, even on a hot day. Uh, a Bordeaux Pas de Razan which in my opinion is all Merlot. And boy, I'll tell you, if you really need to rediscover Merlot, the Pas de Raison, which is a, a Chateau bottle Bordeaux, which is 100% Merlot, is worth looking into. And he's also picked uh, Croix Bompas, which is a little Cote de Rhone, which would be a fun wine. Uh, Projection Cabernet, which is Cabernet at its best, without that big, forceful uh, kind of almost uh, flinty Cabernet. This is kind of good fruit, uh, but not jammy and overpowering. And then the Provinera's Infandel and Pepita uh, mixture, which is uh, uh, Grenache, Madovre, and Syrah. And it's a blend, and that's kind of a blend from the Rhone Valley. But there you have Ted Six for 60, uh, good uh, thing to celebrate the state fair. Every one of those six bottles is a blue ribbon winner. And who gave out the blue ribbons? Well, of course, Ted. So there Absolutely. you have it. <laughs> it makes sense. Now tell us uh, the locations for Haskell's as we go, Jack. Indeed. The folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine. 
Saturday is a great day to visit the vineyards of the world and get out of the heat and pick up a bottle of wine. And pick up a bottle of wine that will marry well with food, and they're good at doing that at Haskell's, believe me. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big And pick up a bottle of wine that will marry well with food, and they're good at doing that at Haskell's, believe me. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. There's Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior, down in Faribault, right off of 35. Our Maple Grove Super Cellar is not to be missed. 22,000 square feet of vineyards from around the world are represented there. In Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. If you can't come in, call, go to Haskell's.com, and don't forget, we do deliver. And, Jack, we'll talk to you next week. I'm going to look forward to that, Denny. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.